Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. Son, philosophy's for them's what don't got to work for a living. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. And I'm David Pizarro from Cornell University. Boris, look at this leaf. Isn't it perfect? And this one? Look. Oh, yeah. Yes, I definitely think that this is the best of all possible worlds. Yeah, it's certainly the most expensive. Isn't nature incredible? To me, nature is, the, you know, I don't know, spiders and bugs and... And then big fish eating little fish, and then, then plants eating uh, plants, and animals eating. Uh, it's like an enormous restaurant. That's the way I see it. Yes, but uh, but if God created it, it has to be beautiful, even if his plants not appear to us at the moment. Sonia, what if there is no God? Boris Dmitrievich, are you joking? What if we're just a bunch of absurd people who are running around with no rhyme or reason? But if there is no God, then life has no meaning. Why go on living? Why not just commit suicide? Well, let's not get hysterical. I could be wrong. I'd hate to blow my brains out and then read in the papers they found something. And that was a clip from the great Woody Allen movie, Love and Death. It was the last of his early funny movies, the more slapstick comedy, like Charlie Chaplin-like movies before before Annie Hall. The next movie that he did was Annie Hall. And uh, How many movies has he made? I have to admit that I don't think I've sat through an entire Woody Allen movie. Maybe one. That's insane. That's crazy. I, I don't know. Have you really not? You've never seen no. Annie Hall? You've never seen I, Manhattan? I You've never no, seen No, I think Andrew the most Dreams? I've seen is, is like clips. Like when the it would come on TV. The clips that I bring. <laughs> yeah, maybe the clips that you bring. No, I, you, know? you should. If you can just get past, you know, your virulent strain of anti-semitism <laughs> See, uh, is, I, th- I, I was afraid you would say that but i think that in fact i'm uh, you would like them is my it's point. my pro- like, it's you just have to I, you know i, I you think it's like my jews that's fine that's I, your privilege i guess I, uh but some of my best friends are jews <laughs> i think i'm actually being pro-semitic um in my resistance because isn't woody allen like the ultimate stereotype. He's like a he's like a Jew minstrel. It's like exactly the caricature of the sort of American New York neurotic Jew. And maybe in my rejection of that portrait of of uh, of a Jew, I'm actually being more pro Jew than even you, you self loathing bastard. First of all, it's not a minstrel show. It's not blackface for <laughs> Jews, like you like you said earlier. I said that off the air, you off, asshole. Off, uh, and because that's just how he really is. Uh, it's not, and that's no, how you so, can be, that's how a lot of Jews really. You can are. be like a so stereotypical like New York Jew. You, know? you you can be a stereotypical person of any of, of any subcategory. 
and uh, and be doing a disservice to your people, don't you think? Like if you are if you embody a stereotype, it's not to say that he's faking it. I don't know. Your point is that by uh, by having a big nose, I am <laughs> doing harm to my people by perpetuating a a negative stereotype. I didn't even know you were Jewish when I first met. What kind of Jewish name uh, is Summers? It's like, no, a, I, it's like a I don't look particularly Jewish. Yet, That's the waspiest no. name I've ever heard. Which is a great thing, actually. <laughs> to not look. No, no You're like fine. incognito. You wouldn't have gotten picked up. You wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't join the Jew gang probably <laughs> in jail. <laughs> Jew prison gang. Uh, <laughs> if such a thing actually exists, is there? A, are there Jew prison gangs? Jew prison I don't gangs? know. I don't. You guys have your own. Like lush prisons. The the clip, aside from exposing a particularly ugly side of Dave's personality, (laughs) also relates to the theme of our show, a very narrow and focused theme, religion and its connection to morality, and even more broadly than that, religion and its connection to life's meaning, life's purpose. If, If you don't believe in God, can you be a good person do you have motivation to be a good person an altruistic person and do you have motivation to get up in the morning <laughs> to feel like your life has purpose that your life has meaning and value so i uh, i suspect that that many if not all of the people who who would listen to to blokes like us don't need to be convinced that morality and meaning can exist without god but i think it is an interesting psychological and sociological question anyway, right? That let me play a little bit of a of a devil's advocate if you're already convinced. People who are religious, there is some evidence that they're happier and that they're healthier and that they may even be more altruistic. They give blood more often, right? Right. They're more likely to give blood. This is from a slate article by your old advisor, Paul Bloom. Uh more likely to give money to homeless people. And you know, and Maybe this isn't so weird. I was just talking to to Jesse Baring, um, who is a, a evolutionary psychologist and a friend, and also a Jew. Um, and uh, he's a gay Jew. Right? He's a gay Jew. He's, a, he's a, such a stereotype. <laughs> um, he was saying, you know, maybe there is something to. We weren't talking about belief in God in particular. We were talking about belief in the afterlife. And sort of the the belief in in eternal punishment or eternal reward, and and how he he was saying that in fact he may be more selfish because he doesn't believe in an afterlife. Um, that he, he accepts this as a possibility that that he might actually be less motivated to go out of his way to help others <laughs> because he just doesn't you know like this this life is everything. Why is going to waste his, waste his time? Um, you know, being well. Extra I mean, nice. on one level, right. If you really did believe that there was a heaven and a hell, you know, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big difference whether you go to heaven and whether you go to hell. If you really believe in that, then the stakes are pretty high for you, and you would seem like you would have more than enough motivation to do whatever it took to get into heaven. Uh, but the second part of what he says is sort of interesting, which is you only get one life here if you don't believe in the afterlife. Right. So why? Why waste it on altruism? Right, right. But then it seems, seems it, like it goes from there's a flawed premise. <laughs> yeah, that, that altruism is a waste of time. Yeah, maybe that's the Jew part. <laughs> I didn't want to say <laughs> it. Part. I didn't want to say yeah, it. Yeah, I know you. I've thought about this. There, there are at least three possibilities about the relation 
the relationship between religion and morality that I can think of, and you can tell me if there's more you can think of. One is that um, the religion, religious belief gives rise to morality. So, so because you believe in God and God is the arbiter of all things moral, then that's why you're moral. Another is that, that this is, I think, a psychologically interesting one, that we're motivated to be moral, right? We have these sort of intuitions about justice and you've and we'll probably do a whole a whole show on justice and and especially the motivation to believe in a just world, the sort of this this seemingly universal I motivation see. to believe that, that that there is that that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Need for a just world hypothesis, as it's called in social psychology. So that this this moral motivation actually might give rise to religious beliefs. So you you sort of conjure up supernatural creatures that uh, that would punish bad people and so you're more prone in believing in those um so so here it would be not religion driving morality but morality driving religion and then there's a third possibility which is that that there is some third variable that it that those same things the same kind of core intuitions that give rise to to uh, um, our moral beliefs um are the same ones that give rise to our religious beliefs so this would be sort of like the evolutionary accounts of why we believe in supernatural agency, right? We're used to, we, we just essentially have a template for human agency. And when someone dies, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to think of them as, as actually losing all agency. So you, you just believe that they changed form somehow because it's just too hard to shake the intuition, um, that they're, that they're floating around or intuitions about causality. Like you, and if, when I was a kid, I remember, you know, bumping, like stubbing my toe and thinking, Oh, what did I do? that gave rise to like the, m me having to go through this like pain right now. Like I actually had karma. Yeah. Like there was some, thing. yeah, there's like a causal connection. Like uh, you, yeah. you know, you can imagine primitive human beings cursing out their neighbors and then a storm comes and destroys their crops. They might think that they were actually being punished. Um, I mean, I, I still think that I, I pretty <laughs> much think that every Patriot's loss is due to something I did earlier that week. <laughs> it's hard to shake. It really yeah. is hard to shake. Like, uh, I remember or where I was sitting or something like that. Yeah. You know, Tom Gilovich, the social psychologist at Cornell, who's a, a an awesome person, um, but also just an amazing researcher. He does a lot of work on on these sort of superstitious beliefs. He's a Celtics fan, actually. Tamler. There we go. Which is like, which like is way already. worse than being. You know, there is no ethnicity that really deserves to be blamed. But you choose to be a Celtics fan every day. You could abandon this, and you would just. It would be. You realize you're a Lakers fan. The Lakers <laughs> are the lowest form. Certainly in basketball, the only I think that's you know what I think it's because I think Celtics just buy players. Listen, oh, I'm just gonna. Like yeah, no, we couldn't win with Powell. He's a little soft, so let's get <laughs> Dwight Howard here. Uh, here's fifty million dollars, and and also I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it. Celtics fans are just racist white people who uh, always loved the fact that Larry Bird was a good basketball player and they hated Magic Johnson because he was black. So I'll just put it out there. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
am I allowed to be offended? I'm not allowed to be offended oh, at that. But... <laughs> um, that definitely gets cut out. <laughs> you know what we're doing right now is, uh, this was true with the last episode too, is we're just putting tenure to the test right now. <laughs> we're stretching tenure to the breaking point. Yeah. Have you tried crack since the last episode? Because <laughs> um, I hear that's fun. Um, crack? Yeah, no, crack's good. <laughs> but, but those three, so those three possibilities... And let me add a fourth to okay. those. It's not that you need to believe in religion or some sort of supernatural entity to be moral, but it's that it religion provides this kind of community, this kind of human interaction, this this access to interpersonal relationships, a kind of in-group bond right. that is itself tied to being a moral person, being a good person, developing moral feelings, so uh, charitable inclinations. So again, it's not what re- it's not the, the the content of the religion or in the beliefs that are involved, but it's the community that it builds. Right. Especially when it comes to the literature on religion and physical well-being i think that that's accounting for a lot of the variants but it probably is also accounting for for all the variants in in charity like there's just you know there is there is no weekly meeting of atheists right like i mean usually there's no um there's unless no... you count like faculty meetings um so right, so atheists don't have like a weekly meeting. Yeah, you're right. Academics are all atheists, right? It would be. It's actually or quite not weird. all, but but no, it's quite. But it is kind of weird when you hear that. One, I, I think that a lot of them aren't atheists actually, but it's just sort of. It's like being Republican, right? You you don't you just like unless you're in a certain kind of of department, like maybe anthropology Notre or something. Dame. <laughs> yeah, um, you're not. You're not. Uh, if you're not an atheist, you're not really going to talk about it, right? You're not. But there is no sense of community in the sense that there are deep atheist traditions. There's no. There's not even any new holidays like uh, Kwanzaa. There's no like atheists need some holidays to bring them together. But but it's yeah. weird. Like a, a, a failure to believe in a particular thing doesn't really unite. And that's that's one thing that I've always. I know that people like Dawkins and um, Dennett, they they want to be part of this community of new atheists, but it's a weird sort of thing to unite people on. Well, especially since the, the Dawkins, Hitchens, Dennett, you know. The Brights. The Brights. <laughs> the, they don't seem d- very pleasant to be around. <laughs> right. know, I like all those people, but Hitchens and Dawkins and Dennett, like these are people who, when they're talking about anything else besides God, I, I, I tend to like their work and I'm interested in what they're saying. But for some reason, they just took it upon themselves to th- – th- there's something so off-putting about it. And this is from someone who's just a non-believer myself, right. a skeptic, someone who sort of went through a phase. It, I, I went through a phase of being a little more militant about it, but it's like a phase – it's like a Kerouac phase. It's, but anyway, you're right that there is something – that's not communal. There's no real bond right. that you can have. I mean, there are skeptics, you know, like for, for every person that's listening to this podcast, there is 
uh, like a thousand at least listening to one of the skeptic podcasts right. that are out there, right. um, rational thinking or the skeptic's guide to the universe or, or whatever, you know? So, so in that sense, there's a little bit of a, this kind of, we're going to use our reason. We're not going to take stuff on faith right. has built a little bit of a community, but it's not, it's not the same kind. Yeah. Of there is something about a community based on, a denial of something that doesn't make as much sense to me. Like a community of scientists or, or sort of a community of skeptics like that, that makes sense. But, but to sort of organize on, you know, and this is something that you, you were kind of saying to me offline, like it's not like we could start a club of people who don't believe in leprechauns. And that doesn't just doesn't make that much sense. Especially when, when, <laughs> when your when your leaders are people like uh, Dennett and Dawkins, <laughs> well, the other thing is religions. We don't have traditions. Like even right. if we could get together, we would right. have to kind of figure out what to do every time. You don't. When, when I have a Passover seder, you know, we don't have to figure out what to do. Right. It's all written out there in a book, and which uh, is why, by the way, Judaism is is uh, is so great because you don't have to believe. I remember oh, Paul yeah, Bloom. Yeah, I know. This is me make, trying to make up for the. Uh, um, but uh, I remember Paul Bloom telling me that he went to his, his rabbi when he was like 12 or something and was like, Rabbi, I don't believe in God. And his rabbi was just like, belief shmelief. Um, yeah. you know. No, there is that. That's a big strain in Judaism. And you can't like, do that in Christianity. That's not the point. No, yeah. I know. If, I went, if I went to my pastor and said I didn't believe in God, you know, like when I was a kid, it would have just been like, oh my God. It's like, we'll pray. We'll pray on it, son. We'll pray on it. <laughs> Yeah, come in here. Come into this room. Uh, I'm going to draw yeah. the curtains now. Let's Let me pray read. together. Sometimes it's better to pray without your clothes on. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't in that kind of religion. Oh, you were. But, yeah. but, uh, well, but it, you know, maybe I repressed the, the memory. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, Judaism is good, but, 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 but all religions, Catholicism is, is, is good for this too. You have these laid out, tri- you know, rituals right. that are there already for you and you participate in them and it they just naturally bring family friends people you're connected with together and there's just no tradition like that in atheism even if we even if skeptics could have some sort of community you know and it would just seem artificial and lame to try right. to start it's one. like the quan it would be like kwanzaa it's like you know it was started in 1960 something really like like just make you can't make up traditions i mean they they just have to happen. And the other thing is, if you look at say the literature on on well being and on health, and you look at the this this general effect that people who are religious tend to to have better outcomes in terms of happiness and in terms of physical health by you know by most measures of physical well being. And then you say, well, okay, well certainly involvement in community and and sort of social relationships is accounting for a large part of this this variance. But there is some evidence that it's not as if being an active member of your bowling league uh, seems to replace that. So, so if you statistically control for the number of times you go out with groups of people, there still seems to be some chunk of variance left there that needs to be explained. And some people have argued that that the nature of religious belief that it's the metaphysical belief itself that gives you this sort of positive outlook um, that isn't easily replaced by an outlook on you know world of warcraft or, or 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 bowling or whatever it is people do so uh, maybe you can because this is something i can't relate to so a lot of people have kind of existential crises they used to believe in god 
and now they don't. And right. it's, and then it's, well, why am I here? What am I doing? Why should I get up in the morning? Why should I try to, I, I can't even describe it well because I, I'm so far from being able to relate to that kind of mindset. Do you feel that way? Cause I don't at all. And I can't relate to that whole. Yeah. I mean, I was raised so religious, like so in with like such deeply entrenched belief that having to go through a period of doubt was, was distressing for me. But I have to admit that it's just distressing because like, I don't want to die. I, I mean, I just think that like, there is this niceness to like the feeling that like, We'll all be resurrected and like and and ha- hold hands like shiny happy like that REM song shiny happy people holding hands and that kind of sucks to abandon. It's like that. It depends like- on whose hand you're holding. <laughs> shiny happy people. So it was it was a, a bit uncomfortable to have to challenge some of those beliefs. But but there are people who really this becomes yeah. deeply distressing. This idea that – and that's what I have trouble just getting a handle on. I respect it. I believe them and I don't think you – know, I don't think yeah. this is because there's a lack of intelligence. I, I really do, do think it varies by temperament a lot. Of I do too. I, and I think I'm one of those who are prone to, to believing and to wanting to believe. And uh, and I remember talking to people who say that since they were since they were kids, they were like, well, this can't be true, right? I mean this is just not – that's not right. right. And there is evidence that that um it's it's heritable and there's there's evidence that for instance women are more likely to believe than men. And I remember this actually this knowledge challenging uh, challenging my thought about it. I was like really like you could just be born into that doesn't seem fair like if God exists and uh and you're just sort of randomly assigned to being one of those people who is more likely to believe. Right? That that doesn't like there's this passage in the in the Old Testament in the Jew Testament um, where, <laughs> where Pharaoh, where Tesla, not the sequel. <laughs> yeah, not is my the lame sequel. Is my friend used to call it the, That's fake, what the New the, Testament, the is fake like, Testament, like the Phantom Menace. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even want to know which role Jesus is in the Phantom. Is I hope he's not Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> oh, actually, I actually, I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> Jew. You know. <laughs> Somehow I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, so no in the in the Old Testament when when uh, Pharaoh when Moses is saying like let my people go and then it says like God hardened Pharaoh's heart mm. mm-hmm. and that was like wait that's not nice I right? talk like, about this in my book yeah yeah, yeah so but I, I, sh- I should really read your difference book difference in responsibility uh, norms the fact that God hardened your heart I mean you see this in the Greeks all the time the gods are constantly manipulating people to act in certain ways and that doesn't mean they're not responsible it doesn't mean they're not blameworthy it doesn't mean it's not fair to punish them and right. I use the Pharaoh's hardened heart as an example like to, to us it seems like especially like to a Jew you're brought up because Pharaoh's the big villain and, you know, right. for Passover. So, but then you come into this thing where God just hardens his heart. It seems wrong on a couple of levels. First, it's not fair to Pharaoh. At least give right. him a chance right. to 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 let the people go. And second, it it means that the the, the Jews have to wait a little longer <laughs> before they're going to be <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a lose lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's you know the God of the Old Testament. He has. This is strange. He has his reasons, and I and I don't like questioning him. Frankly, <laughs> uh, so uh, let me read you this quote by Dawkins, which I, I think is the kind of quote that makes pe- that leads people into despair. Now, this is actually from his great book. I believe this is from the Extended Phenotype, but I'm actually not sure about that. 
But here's the quote. The total amount of suffering per, per year in the natural world is beyond all decent contemplation. During the minute that it takes me to compose this sentence, thousands of animals are being eaten alive. Many others are running for their lives, whimpering with fear. Others are slowly being devoured from within by rasping parasites. Thousands of all kind are dying of starvation, thirst, and disease. It must be so. If there ever is a time of plenty, this very fact will automatically lead to an increase in the population until the natural state of starvation and misery is restored. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason to it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Ah, oh, God, that's depressing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, maybe we should open it. This touches on so many issues like uh, on, on human altruism and on, on justice in, in the world and the universe. And, uh, it reminds, and the just world hi- hypothesis. Yeah, and it does remind me of that Ivan Karamazov's general point in the Brothers, in the Brothers Karamazov where he says, look, it's not as if – I'm not even saying God doesn't exist. All I'm saying is if, if he does, I disagree with him. Right, like uh, this doesn't seem like the sort of of creation that uh, that he should have made if he did exist. And so let's talk about that uh, when we come back. When I be asking you as much as I should. When I be asking you as much as I should. This one or that one. This one or that one. This one or this one. This one or that one. The white one or black. There's no bad reason to live or to die. Then what are you? They're different. Get with it. Millions of galaxies of hundreds of millions of stars and a speck on one in a blink. That's us, lost in space. The cop, you, me. Who notices? Yeah, so it's interesting. There is a certain kind of villain... And I guess I'm trying to think, especially contemporary movies, but maybe it's something that's been around for a while that kind of justifies themselves or seems to have as their motivation the meaninglessness of life, the fact that it's all just atoms and electrons bouncing back and forth and that there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's it's the kind of pure nihilistic villain that you know, has a hold on people's attention. The Joker is obviously the best example of that. But also Tom Cruise in Collateral uh, as the assassin, this hitman that's uh, driving around. Did you see Collateral, by the way? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really good. 
Collateral uh, is good. Is that, it's underrated. Is that a um, what's his name? Man, Michael Mann. Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, yeah. it's good. I, I really liked it. But there is something scary about someone who doesn't believe. I, I don't know if it's just sort of a natural extension of the connection between belief and and morality or belief and meaning, but but uh, there is something about a person who doesn't believe in anything that I think engenders this natural fear. The, the Joker is, I mean, Joker sort of vacillates sometimes between being a just pure psychopath and just a nihilist. Maybe it's just an empirical question. Why, why is it that so many people react with such people often remark, like, could we have an atheist president? There's something in, in the fact that they're not believing in, in some sort of higher moral authority that makes people really, really freak out like it doesn't ha- there's no check on your behavior right. there's no yeah and it's funny because it's not like i'm not one of these people who say because i have no idea whether religion has done more harm than good or more good than harm to the world right. but it's not like deeply religious people haven't done terrible horrible vicious horrific things yeah i'm not sure why i i, I agree i'm not sure why it's sort of a weird thing uh, weird and we were talked about this a little bit when we were talking about uh, in our episode on free will it seems odd to say well like if i don't believe in free will then i'm just gonna go fuck a chicken or whatever you know like that seems also weird like well if there is no eternal you know punishment or eternal reward then i might as well go murder whoever pisses me off like really is that is that really the only thing that's keeping you from becoming like a god like a like a immoral bastard like, and this is what you know going back to what you said about Jesse Baring you could argue that having just one go around means that you want to make the most of it and we are moral and social creatures there's recent evidence for instance that giving uh, that giving spending your money on other people is is much more likely to give to make you happy than spending on your own uh, on yourself for instance so if that's true if people who are moral and altruistic and try to develop these kinds of close personal connections are happier then it seems like the opposite would follow that you should be selfish and cruel i mean there's no there's certainly no study that has shown that murderers are happier than normal people <laughs> you are. know people don't tend to admit that on self-report scales like on a, <laughs> maybe like on a scale of one to seven how many times have you murdered people <laughs> no and just being a selfish dick it's yeah. just not you know, it's there's there's no uh, there's not much upside to that. It's not going to help you out that much. Um, it reminds me kind of like the you, you know economists have this belief that uh, that we're driven by incentives, and so that that if you pay someone a little bit more, they'll work a little bit more, right? And uh, and that's just not true. Like, it's it's just not true. That's not how human motivation works. It's an equivalently right. weird thought to me to think that the reason that you're not doing something bad is because because God's going to punish you. People don't even refrain from doing bad things because the law is going to punish them. And it's a weird thought that if that's where your motivation comes, if you have no internal constraint that, that's not dependent on some sort of extrinsic authority, then I just don't like you. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> and yet... You know, there is this, I don't know whether it's uh, a realistic kind of villain, but it's certainly a villain that has a, the hold on the popular imagination, this this villain that is motivated by precisely this kind of lack of any kind of ultimate purpose to life or ultimate meaning to life. And then what is definitely true and what I still want to get to the bottom of because I don't get it 
and I think you're probably closer to understanding this kind of person, so maybe you can shed some light on it, is not being a dick or being a, a criminal or you know harming other people or even not being nice to other people, but just really feeling depressed and alienated about the fact that there's no ultimate purpose or meaning. It's funny, you know, I, when I was, and I think we probably all go through this phase where we think existentialist literature is like the most awesome thing ever. <laughs> and I remember, I remember thinking. You go in and out of it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, but existential literature is actually quite optimistic, right? I mean, there is something that is like, if this is all you have, then like make the most of it, like enjoy your friends, enjoy your, I think they're probably, it would release some people from this, from this weird burden that that so here's the thing so so Camus and the myth of Sisyphus and I think Camus did not want to be called even though he's always lumped with an existentialist he did not right, want to be called right, right. an existentialist he refused so he had this idea in the myth of Sisyphus that that life is absurd and the absurdity derives from exactly what we're talking about right that on the one hand there's no purpose to the universe but that's not enough to make it absurd what's absurd is that we expect something, uh, life, to have this big meaning, this big final answer, that there's some sort of <laughs> right. ultimate justification for everything, and it's not there. That's what makes us seem like Don Quixote uh, charging after the windmills. That's what. Right. That's the absurdity of life captured. Like right that it there. was all but, just matter in motion. That it was all what Dawkins just said it was. Like that. But but it's not just that, and he's very clear about that. But it's that we uh, all, we expect. Uh, there to be some sort of ultimate justification for our behavior, for our actions, for our lives, right? Right. And so on the one hand, he's sort of optimistic. So, it, you know, he uses the myth of Sisyphus as the metaphor. You know, we're just pushing up this boulder, letting it drop, pushing it up, and that's all we're doing. And he says, but we can be – we can – we can really observe every part of the rock and, you know, really feel it. You know, there's a sort of Buddhist element. Be really aware of what we're right. doing, but also kind of have scorn and contempt for the world that right. we've been put in. And, you know, I think Thomas Nagel in a good uh, article on that, um, that hope I was about to bring up, he, you know what I love yeah. in that, in his essay on the meaning of life, where he says, you know, a lot of people point to the sort of the, the vast expanse of the universe as a, as a source of meaninglessness. And, yeah. and, you know, it's like you look at the – when you look at – I, I, I kind of get this sense when you look at those uh, star uh, – pictures of stars. But not only that, but you see uh, galaxies, like how many galaxies there are. And then you see that there are super clusters of galaxies and it just blows your mind. And uh, he says, you know, some people point to this feeling as like uh, this knowledge is somehow making life less meaningful. But he says it's unclear how big the universe would have to be in order to make life meaningful. Right. <laughs> What if it was, like what? What if it was just the size of the solar right? Would that all of a sudden meaningful? Would it all of a sudden be meaningful? <laughs> right. No, he he does a good job of that, and he does a good job. I think so. As much as I love Camus, and I do, of of of, of exposing a kind of romanticism in that view, like we're standing up to the meaninglessness of yeah. the universe. Uh, and we can be proud of that fact, which in some sense is optimistic. It's also like it's also, we're, we're slaves, right. but we're going to be it, like dignified right. it's and Camus is, or something like yeah. that. We're not slaves. We're, not, we're it, lucky to be here. Camus is endorsing the premise that, that is the weird thing, right? That that it's like, yeah. wait, wait, you are – he is expecting that, you know, he's like, yeah, of course the right thing would be if life were – 
like had some meaning, but it doesn't. So let's just shake our fist at the universe. But it, we have meaning in in our everyday interactions. How could you not say like when when you see your daughter in the morning for the first time? How is that yeah. not just dripping with meaning? You know what? <laughs> that I don't get. I yeah. honestly don't. Right? It's like what it's else like- do you need? No, I know. Now we have a specially beautiful daughter. Yeah, that's true. Right. What if, like if they were ugly, maybe we'd feel like Camus. Maybe <laughs> with these like hideous yeah. daughters. Uh, uh, I just want my daughter to be uh, pretty, but not too pretty, right? I know, exactly. <laughs> I have a friend who who has uh, he has two daughters, and and they're both beautiful. Um, when the older one was how born. Old are they? How, are, how so old are now they? So now the oldest one must be already in, entering her tween years. I haven't seen them in a while, but she was, you could tell w- when she was even eight or nine that she just had this look about her that was very like hit, her dad's Hawaiian. And, She's going to be a- Yeah. <laughs> so you said that. <laughs> he goes, you know, man, I really wanted to name my daughter Chlamydia because, uh, that way, <laughs> that way no guy would want to fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea i never even thought of that if you're thinking at the time you're thinking i want to give my daughter a nice pretty name you know? yeah. uh, this and is then, chlamydia but, and yeah, this is gonorrhea even if you don't name her chlamydia but you name her some gertrude Gert, gertrude or something. did we both we both just thought of gertrude really that's, <laughs> that's unbelievable fucking crazy <laughs> Like you name your daughter Gertrude, you know Bertha. Uh, I love Bertha. You, you can probably put off by a few years uh, the the horrors that we have lying ahead. For us. Oh, I know. There is where life will have tr- truly no meaning. Um, <laughs> no, I know that's where. Well, it'll, it'll have just be pain. It'll just be pain. Every, right. It'll be really bad. Meaning. Right. Uh, no, I have that same thought. And again, so this is what I don't get. It just seems like life is already too meaningful. <laughs> right. I don't, the, I don't need this other extra meaning. Right, right. Uh, in life. I already get worked up to, I mean, just this NFL season with my fantasy football team and my, uh, and, and the Patriots and then, the, we, you know, and then never mind anything that involves family and, 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 and you know, close friends. If, if anything, this podcast, this podcast is meaningless. I, I will give those people. <laughs> Of that. If it, yeah, but if anything, we need a little bit more meaninglessness in life. You know, it's it's like a. I really do get the sense like when when the Lakers lose in the playoffs, I care too much. Like I should just care a little bit less. I mean, it only lasts for like a couple of days, and then and I'm like, well, fuck, stupid sports are dumb. But yeah, but let's try to figure this out, right? And you, since you were once, at least brought you were brought up religiously, yeah. and were you? Somewhat devout or observant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was raised. So I was raised Seventh Day Adventist, and so we, you know, my, we still all, even now, when I go to California to um, to be with my family, we're gonna all go to church and stuff. The thing is, I, I honestly think that deep down, it is. And this seems simple and and obvious and trite right. almost, but I think deep down, it's it's just a way to cope with death. I mean. It's just it just sucks that that the, the meaning of this life will end, and so we we need it to continue. You know, there is that's yeah that's another thing I think that's ver- that varies by temperament a lot, and it's actually I think completely independent <laughs> of any religious beliefs or not. But fear of death and w- being worried about death. I have a friend who's just. Yeah, I don't want to die, dude. I'm freaked out about it actually. So maybe that's yeah. What- so okay, again. 
yeah. not something I think about at all. Obviously, I don't want to die. I like being alive. I'm a pretty happy person overall. I'm enjoying this life, and I hope uh, it lasts as long as possible. Although at this rate, it's not looking good. <laughs> but, <laughs> you should stop doing drugs, man. You really should. It's all that meth. <laughs> <It's> all... <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't. It's just not something I think about ever. Like, I just I. I I, I spend zero percent of my time worried about the fact that one day I'll die, and I think that, and it's not because I've reasoned my way to that conclusion. But As with my, when you do think about it, though, you don't get like yeah. anxiety. No, none, none, zero. I know I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna die. Hmm. If you told me I was gonna, if you gave me like a specific time and date that I was gonna die, that was somewhat soon. Right. I would probably worry about that. Right. But but the idea that I'm going to die and thinking about it, and again, I have good friends who are like me in many other ways, but who really stress out about that. And I don't know, like, yeah. can you describe why that worries you so much? <laughs> I'm I mean, uncomfortable you know with the thought of non-existence. Uh, I don't. See, you really should see Woody Allen because he he spends so much time talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a foreign creature to me. Like, how can you not? It just seems to me like such a primal, like uh, like a primal sort of. That's what fear is for to keep you from dying. Like, yeah, no, I get it. I get that you don't want to die. No, but, but it's not. I it's don't... not just a preference. It's like the ultimate. <laughs> it's not like, well, you know, like uh, vanilla, chocolate, death, life. <laughs> it's just like... forced. Forced to choose. I'll choose <laughs> to go on living. Uh, no, but I mean, look, there are a lot of things that are going to happen to you that you don't stress out about, right? No, I agree. This is bigger than God, most. coming from a Jew. That's just weird, man. I just stress out about everything. <laughs> You're not really Jewish. <laughs> I've now just exposed myself. I'm not really no, Jewish. No, it's, I no. I mean, there's a lot. So I mean, so one of the thoughts that that really bugs me is that my daughter will not have me around, right? Like that she'll suffer. Like that freaks yeah, me. Yeah, she'll out. be. She'll be fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll take care of her. Yeah. You know who's gonna suffer? Your wife. <laughs> when, <laughs> when I when, when I die. <laughs> when you die. Uh, it's a little unfair because I don't have a wife that you can. First make. of all, my wife Jen uh, is going to throw herself onto my coffin as I'm buried into the ground. <laughs> Even though she's not, that's eating, much more she, effective when it's falling. a pyre, <laughs> not like when it's just a regular burial. <laughs> get up, Jen! Get out of there! Come on, I'm Jen! Embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, stop fucking around! Crawl out of that grave. <laughs> You're getting dirty. She'll be like, sorry, I thought that'd be fun. <laughs> All right, keep shoveling the dirt. <laughs> that would be kind of funny, actually. <laughs> From the grave, I would have a little respect for that if she did that. Thing. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, so, it, again, I, I, I can't. I can't give you a reason why. That it must be temperamental. I, it must be I, I literally have yeah. never worried about that for a second in my life. Have you? Has your life ever been in peril? Aside from your yes. health habits, yes, like a number of times. Actually. <laughs> uh, just from stupid things like driving a moped on the wrong side of the highway in Mexico by mistake, huh. and then uh, my friend getting my attention seconds before this truck uh, would have just completely. Actually, a couple of my life in peril things happen on mopeds. One happened scuba diving. Wow! Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like I haven't had these. So you only have just temporary. Shit. You're like an animal. You're like you're like freaked out, like that the the hunter is shooting right now. As soon as that's over, you're just like, eh. Yeah, and I wasn't even that freaked out. 
that's why you kept getting on a moped. But I mean, the, <laughs> let me shift gears. This is a what bit. I, like. This is why I think it's pure temperament because I also don't yeah. get why. Look here, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. I'll, I'll challenge you on this now. Yes, you're going to die like every single other person who has ever lived. Um, and that's going to happen. It's not going to happen for a while. It's not going to happen for like 50 years. Right. So why, why worry about it now? What's the, it's just one of those things that it's definitely going to happen. It's one of those things that like, uh, just pops into your mind. And if you ponder it, it seems pretty, pretty freaky, right? It just, it's not, you know, I I don't have a defense of it. And that's why I think that, that it, it boils, it must boil down to temperament, but it's just one of those things that when it pops into your mind, it's like, oh, that's not a pleasant, pleasant thought at all. It, you know, right. I guess I can compare it to, to people who, you know, if you think, suppose that you, you sit at night and you, in the thought enters your mind, like, what if my wife were cheating on me? Like, that would not be a happy thought. And yeah. so you could say, well, like, it's not like you worry about it all the time, but whenever you, whenever somebody does bring it up and that thought enters your head and you, you actually ponder. Now, suppose that it was just inevitable that your wife was, were going to cheat on you. And it's not happening now, but at some point it was going to, it's like, it's the inevitability of it and the permanence of it. It it just seems like a freaky thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but that's not a totally good analogy because it would have to be that every single Mm -hmm. husband for all of eternity. And then we just wouldn't have that attitude about uh, betrayal. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, it's, I don't think it can be explained very well if you don't, it's one of those things if you don't. (laughs) If you don't feel it, you don't feel it. But, but then now, if you are one of those people, and I guess this includes you then, then it really does seem like you're losing something by not believing in an afterlife. Yeah, yeah. Not believing that your consciousness will live on. And this, you know, this might dad, be why Pascal's wager works on some people and doesn't on others, you know? It's like, well, look, what's the downside of believing in an afterlife? It, 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 on the off chance that it that it was required for eternal life, then you might as well. Like, what do you got to lose? Right. Can you, though, make yourself believe? No, you can't. Something? You can't. And so this is what I always – in the psychology of religion, they're, they're, the psychology of religion is, is just a, a very problematic field traditionally because you seem to have two sides. One that's saying like, well, let's see how stupid it is. And then the other side saying like, see all the, all the benefits of belief. And they both seem like they're secretly arguing for either the existence of God or, or the denying the existence of God. Um, but they have an ag- you mean it, they, they seem like they have an agenda, agenda. right that, that it is believers who are going to accumulate evidence on the positive benefits of religious belief it seems weird to even care about that agenda when you think if i prove to you that there are positive health benefits and well-being like to belief like would that ever convince you no you would just say well that sucks that i'm gonna have to be slightly more miserable and less healthy for the rest of my life fuck it you know I, and I don't, and it doesn't even show that because it just shows that I might have been a little more likely to be happier than I already am. Yeah, you know, you know what might that, be deeply, deeply dis- a disturbing conclusion: belief in God might be like sexual orientation. There's just most people are throughout, like most people who are born and live are gonna believe in something. They're gonna be afraid of death. They're gonna be motivated to believe in in supernatural. And then there's just like. You know, whatever the, the sort of mythical number, anywhere between three and 10% of people who are born not needing to, and, uh, they're gonna just n- not believe. And that's not to say that reason won't convince people one way or the other. Um, brute for, the brute force of reason can convince people. But maybe there's always gonna be this stable number of, of non-believers. It used to be in the past that, that they had to live in secret, you know? And, uh, now. and now they can be brights. <laughs> 
Now they can marry each other. Atheists. I, I think in several states they're allowed to marry. <laughs> I think. You know, uh, it's just their sexual no, practices are I mean, gross. I, here, here's an interesting question relative to this podcast. How many people do you think who are atheists were convinced by reason and evidence and arguments? I don't, and how many I, yeah. people do you think just sort of found themselves all of a sudden not believing it but, but couldn't trace it to this particular book or that again yeah. I, I don't know the answer because I, I i never really believed i was just I, never... I feel like most people who i know who are atheists just never really believed it that's kind of a sad thought actually but you do have i mean i talk to students like this all the time who just went through a phase of all of a sudden but i don't know why they right did, where they used to believe and then they just you know and they used to be fairly religious and then it was a break and it was a big huge to, maybe right. this would I, I request uh listener feedback on this exact issue if yeah. you are one of these people that used to believe in god let us know we'll read a couple of these on the air maybe next time yeah on the air whatever I, yeah. the podcast <laughs> I I actually think that <laughs> no self-respecting <laughs> radio station. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad we can't be like in the old days, like when you like if you wanted to hit song, you could sneak sneak your demo tape into the radio booth and like have someone play it on on the air. It turns out to be a hit. <laughs> you yeah. Sit through an hour and a half of us <laughs> rambling. Um, I think that for me it was the problem of evil that that challenged my belief. Really, like little kids are starving and dying. And and yeah. and you're supposed to be omnipotent and benevolent. Ah, it doesn't. And seem if you're right. a Jew, if you're Jewish, like I remember asking my Orthodox Jewish uncle, if the if the Holocaust, right. why the, why did God allow the Holocaust to happen? A third of the Jewish race wiped out right. by Germans of all, you know, right. like. Yeah, that was an extra yeah, slap in the face. Not even like it's like a plague, but like you would just let these Germans do it to us. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, maybe if it would it could have been worse. It's like. Okay, first of all, how much worse could it have been? <laughs> it could have, could have been all of us. <laughs> but, but, but second of all, so that we're supposed to be grateful that he only allowed a third of... Yeah, this is why it's, it's a, I have plenty of religious friends and family, and they, when they say things like, you know, Joe was just in a really, really serious car accident, but thank God he still, you know, he made it. And it's like, wait... <laughs> so you're saying that you're saying that God was like, well, you know what I'm going to let happen? I'm going to let that piece of metal have like passed within an inch of his heart. Uh, right. But I'm going to mess up. Yeah. Right. So again, it, this it's not a thing. We and and the worst thing you can do is try to dissect these things and make fun of them. That's what the Dawkins people right. do. That's what then we're we're not doing that. Yeah. I, I I really want to emphasize because I because because I I can't stand that snide smug smarmy Peasy Myers who oh, yeah, worked yeah, at yeah. my old university just like I I I really hate that and it's it's also did you talk to you ever talk to him they have all these people yeah I talked to him he's just some guy he's just some guy in a beard yeah you know just like, like he's just a weird like introverted guy that this this gave him the opportunity you know if it weren't for this. He would be writing comments on like right. He would be like Republic flaming you know, people like on their... those people. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I have nothing against him either, except I really, you know, I I hate the smugness of those uh, websites. I hate the you know. I weird... I think we both agree we hate the smugness on both sides. Like I just I being sympathetic to the to religious people and and loving many people who are deeply religious. I hate I hate it when people don't. When they're not bothered by the question of evil, like if you can't be bothered or if you can't 
or if you give me some pat answer to like the, why six million Jews were just wiped out, like if you if that doesn't disturb you and lead you to question the justice of God or maybe even these, then I don't really I, I don't really respect you that much. Like I don't, you know. But but so so here's so with that caveat said that we respect both both sides of this and we're not trying to be smug and we're not trying to mock anybody. I want to get like you that that car accident. Yeah. Like, What's the belief there? Is the belief that God decided I – did he just get there late? Like right at the time of the car accident, he was doing something else? Yeah. I, and then just like at the last second, oh, shit, I got to stop this guy from dying from the car accident? Yeah. Or is that the thought? So there's actually – there's actually there, – there are – so because this is such a deep problem for any religion, there are – there are well thought out defenses of this. So the, you know, the problem is called theodicy, right? This, the, the, the question of evil. And so in my particular, the, in the religion that I was raised in, there was a very intricate which answer to this. Seventh day Adventism, which is a Protestant religion, but a, a more novel, gnarly one, you know, it came around in the mid 1800s. Are you like Mormons? No, because Seventh day Adventists don't have like another Bible. So that, that's kind of distinguishes Mormons. From uh, right. from the rest, but um, there, some of them just just really really are into the Bible, like literal sometimes, <laughs> and then it's not like they're kicking women out of the house for menstruating. <laughs> like it's, um, but they don't. <laughs> they you know they have a well That's worked why out. out right now. <laughs> they have a well worked out, <laughs> uh, well worked out sort of theoretical account of. Uh, the devil sort of testing God and this, this earth being sort of the testing ground for letting, letting the devil have his way. And then God intervenes every once in a while. I don't think they have a good excuse for why he intervenes every once in a while and why he doesn't in other, in other cases, but they at least have a, a, an account for why the evil exists now and that one day it will all be. But a lot of Christian religions well, even. What is it? What is the account? The account is that the devil challenged God and the devil said, like, my way is better. So God said, okay, like you have a few you have a few years to prove it. Let uh, let's have your way take 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 over the earth, and um, and that's that's why sort of the the fall of Adam and Eve occurred, and that's why the six thousand years of human history has been just all one sort of testing ground where God God is is allowing out of the kindness of his heart, he's allowing Satan to have his say, and he'll prove to the rest of the universe that that uh, the the ways of the evil one are are actually bad right so we're 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 like a we're like a petri dish for the universe to test evil and good and he gave us free will and so that's why we so we're all like job exactly 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 okay yeah yeah but other other christian religions yeah it seems (laughs) that seems more alienating and (laughs) than no god but see when when doesn't it well i think it's deeply disturbing yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like maybe a few weeks of it going on would have been enough to show people that, hey, you know, pain and suffering kind of suck. <laughs> Did we have to carry it on for this long? <laughs> um, and we need this tsunami, right? But uh, yeah, in it, yeah, it's Joe writ large because he keeps doing worse and worse shit, and it's like really, you, you'd think that. What I love about the Job story is that he's lost his entire family, right, except for his his wife. And then, like, God gives him twice as much as he had before, twice as many sons and daughters. And it's like, oh, really? I don't think that you could kill my daughter and then and then give me two and then I'd be cool with it. <laughs> oh, well, you know, God did take Bella away from me, but at least now I got chlamydia and gonorrhea. Um. Oh, man. <laughs> 
It's true. It would give you a chance to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck that up the first time. Um, so, but but what it does bug me when I know Bella. <laughs> you want her to be a stripper? Right. She has a pole and have a pole right here in the, in the room. <laughs> um, so, so I it does bug me though when it's not as if as if when people are confronted with tragedy in their real life they they fall back on this very reliably you know um they 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 do sort of question god throughout their life you know like i would have friends who are like my grandma died of cancer how can god exist you know how old was she 89 really <laughs> really like this is what's leading you to question god like the holocaust and the tsunami and like that doesn't bother that <laughs> it was your grandma dying that <laughs> tossed you into this existential despair <laughs> Not to psychoanalyze myself too much, but my mom died when I was 17, and she was only 41. Oh, dude. So I wonder That's if, like your age. What? How old are you? I know. I'm older yeah. now than oh, my mom ever was. Wow. That's deep. So, and she's just cancer, you know, like just the most meaningless, stupid kind of, you know. Right. Uh, it was melanoma before they were uh, spotting it. And then I wonder to what extent that has influenced my thinking on this. Right. But again, I think I better not. <laughs> yeah. Not <laughs> delve, delve into like that the, one. I don't like reflecting on my own psychology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. All right. So have we answered any questions or shed any light on this topic? I think that we've concluded that people who are going to be atheists are going to be atheists. There's room for movement maybe in some – Although I'm not – I think you – I'm not totally sure about that. Here's what I think to sum up as we always do. You don't need religion to be moral and to have a reason to be be a good person or to think that your life has value and purpose because you just have to see your daughter waking up in the morning and that's plenty. That is plenty. Should we end with a joke? Sure. Actually, before you tell, do you have a joke? Let me tell you while you think of one. I post this on Facebook, but there's this uh, sushi place near us where they have a, a, a sushi roll. And it's the best name. All, it's an all-time great name for a sushi roll that, that I've ever heard. It's, it's, it's the Bitch Prees roll. <laughs> Bitch priest. <laughs> I don't think I can top that. <laughs> if that's not enough enough to give your life meaning, then I can't do anything else for you. Agreed. Right it says. Uh, <laughs> all right. See you next time. For more information about this episode, including show notes and links. And to listen to other episodes, please visit us at www.verybadwizards.com. I'm a very good man. Good man. They think he's lost and with no more brains than you have. Just a very bad wizard. Yes, my name is Timler Summers, and things are going very well for me, sort of. But sometimes they are not.